to the Banded About podcast series. Joining me in the engine room this week is an Adelaide drummer whose musical journey began in year five when he started attending Ross Trevor College. He initially started out playing the trumpet prior to deciding that he really wanted to switch to playing drums. He began having private lessons when he was 11 and joined his first band with his sister, the Peeves, which was an all-girl band when he was 14. It is my great pleasure to welcome Liam Weedle. Welcome, Liam, and thank you for making time to chat with me today. No worries. Thanks a lot for having me, Guy. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Let's start from the beginning, Liam. Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Adelaide, uh, Ashford Hospital. So, um, yeah, grew up in Tramia. That's where my my parents still live. And, uh, yeah, now I live pretty much in the same area in Ross Trevor. So, always been an eastern suburbs lad. Do either of your parents have a musical background or anyone else in your family? Uh, Not really, no. Yeah, so my my dad used to play, you know, some pretty decent bands growing up, bands like The Police and, and Dire Straits. So was kind of exposed to some pretty cool music growing up, but yeah, so my, my parents didn't, but um, they got my sister doing singing. Yeah, so that was actually my first band with her. So when I was 14, I was in a band with her called The Peeves. That was yep. an all-girl band <laughs> with me on the drums. My sister Gemma, yeah, did did the singing um, and I was I was a drummer, so we used to jam together quite a bit. But, yeah, that's that's about it from the family front. What led to or who influenced you to start playing drums? Yeah, I guess my, my first real favourite band that I got into was the Chili Peppers. So, yeah, Chad Smith was a big influence in uh, me wanting to play drums. But, yeah, I, I went to Ross Trevor College when I was 10 in year five yeah. and they, um, they just happened to have a brass program. So, yeah, so I started playing the trumpet and that was, that was pretty good. But um, my eye was kind of always on on the drum kit in, in the music room and whenever the music would, would step out for whatever reason, I'd kind of hop on the kit and, and start playing and, and always get in trouble when you come back in. Something just drew me towards the drums, I suppose. And um, I remember a family friend had a drum kit as well. So, yeah, I was just kind of drawn to it. I remember he taught me a real simplified version of, of the beat from By The Way by the Chili's and I kind of just picked it up straight away more or less. Real Chili's influence and, yeah, I was just kind of drawn to the drums inexplicably, I suppose. Excellent. So when did you get your first kit? Um, yeah, so I started getting lessons when I was 11. Yeah, just had the sticks and the practice pad for the first few months. Did the whole pots and pans thing, like playing on phone books and, like, old water containers and, you know, whatever we could find. And then, yeah, eventually I think Christmas that year my parents got me a second-hand drum kit for 500 bucks. It was, you know, like a no-name brand. It was called a Toro. I've, I've never come across any kits named Toro since, but it was actually pretty decent. It had, you know, Sabian symbols. So, yeah, it did the job. Yeah, I had that kit for a good five years before I upgraded to a Gretsch, which I'm still playing right now. Excellent. Not that particular Gretsch, but, yeah, still playing Gretsch. Yeah. Do you have lessons with anybody outside of school? Yeah, I actually started getting lessons at Ciceri's Music straight from the get-go. So that was uh, a guy called Michelangelo Michelli, quite a suave man. He kind of specialised in Latin stuff and, and jazz. Right now he plays in this band called Yellow Blue Bus, which is like Ukrainian folk, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I've seen um, them. They're great. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him live at some point. Yeah, so I got lessons with him for a good 
six years maybe. And then, yeah, the drum teacher at Ross Trevor was was Michael, sorry, Mario Marino. Yes, I know Mario quite well. <laughs> yeah, so Mr. Waterman, who was the head of music at Ross Trevor, was pretty keen for me to get, get lessons with him. So, yeah, I did that during 11, year 11 and 12. Yeah, he helped me out with my year 12 performances. I did, um, it was like music performance special study or something where you pick, you know, one artist and you, you just play their songs. So, yeah, I, I played a whole bunch of Dave Weckl tunes for, for Year 12 and Mario really helped me out a lot with those, which is great. Can you remember your first gig? Played school gigs, yeah, Year 7, Year 8, that sort of thing. But my first first proper gig was with the Peeves and that was at the Gov. So, yeah, pretty pretty decent venue for a first gig. I think it was some uh, fundraiser show for disabled people or something like that. But, yeah, it was a pretty cool show, good opportunity for a 14-year-old to to get out and play a live gig for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. And after you finished at Ross Trevor, you did the jazz course at the Con, didn't you? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I did, did a year at, at the Con, which was good. Yeah, I really built up my jazz chops a lot doing that. Yeah, I don't know if I could have got through three years. I think that would have, you know, as a kind of a metal guy, I think that would have been a bit much for me. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely learnt a lot while I was there for sure. And, you know, that's helped me um, – you know, play all the progressive metal that I do because there's there's a lot of jazz built into it, and yeah. you know, played a bunch of proper jazz gigs since then as well. So, yeah, it was kind of cool to do for a year. Excellent. So, what was your first major gig? First major gig. Yeah, I joined the band Asphyxia, who were kind of a big Adelaide band at the time, and uh, my first gig was them. With them, was supporting Whitechapel and Psychoptic at, at Fowler's Live. So. Yeah, that was probably the first big gig I'd, I'd played, I reckon. Yeah, because I, I was a massive fan of Psychroptic, and I, you know, still am. I was yeah. pretty stoked to, to support them. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the six year only played one more show after that and then broke up, you know, as Adelaide bands tend to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a pretty cool show to play for sure, supporting one of my favourite Aussie bands. And when was that, in 2009, was it? Yeah, I reckon it was. Yeah, January 2009. Cool. Did you have a job after you left school or did you just begin playing full-time? Um, I started teaching drums pretty much straight out of school. As a teenager, I worked at like Red Rooster and, and Foodland, those typical sorts of jobs. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, when I was at uni, yeah, I was just, just teaching drums. Um, and then, yeah, so after I finished that that year at, at uni doing the C4, I, um, yeah, worked a whole string of shitty jobs. I um, was a water meter reader for for a few months, walking around reading people's water meters, worked in an Apple factory, pizza delivery. Yeah, I worked in an office for a solar company. Yeah, and then eventually I um, yeah, went to uni and did, did a commerce degree after that. But, yeah, that, that whole time I was at uni doing commerce, I was just, just teaching drums, which, which is pretty good. You don't have to work too many hours. You can just kind of, yeah, put in a few hours a week and, and get through. Yeah. And, yeah, gig, gigging that whole time as well. So. Yeah, I was playing cover gigs from yeah straight out of school as well. Had a had a cover band called Twisted J with with a bunch of mates from from school from the school mm-hmm. bands. Yeah, we played a bunch of weddings and parties and functions. And yeah, just played played with a few other cover bands and random jazz gigs here and there as well. Got a bit of cash. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, you got to support yourself somehow, don't you? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, playing the metal is not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a memorable gig story, good or bad, that you'd like to share? Best memory of a gig would have to be supporting Opeth in 2015. Opeth were my 
favorite band at the time and yeah definitely still are one of my favorite bands and i, I just joined the band decidia oh only a few months before as well yeah so getting the news that we were going to support opeth like shortly after i joined and joined them was yeah just mind-blowing to me i was over the moon <laughs> um yeah like it all, all of us in decidia it's pretty much all of our collective favorite band as well so yeah so we got to support them in front of a sold out crowd at the gov you know 600 people pretty nervous like watching the video footage back like i played all the songs heaps faster than they were but regardless of that it was still an amazing show got got to meet opeth and we we all got a photo with them afterwards so couldn't have been happier with with that experience excellent supporting obscura on on their tour in 2009 yeah we did brisbane sydney and melbourne so um with, with alarm which is the melbourne band that i, I play live with yes yeah, obscura definitely one of my favorite bands as well got a drum lesson with their drummer sebastian lanza while on, on tour he's just yeah next level yeah getting to play yeah sydney at the factory theater for that show that was that was pretty big yeah played a couple of big shows at the factory theater in sydney which is like i don't know what the cap is but probably close to a thousand playing there with with the sydney guitarist james norwood avani we, we supported haken from the uk that was pretty massive yeah, a bit of a nightmare gig. I'm not sure if it was that gig. I think it could have been. But, um, yeah, me losing the click track during one of the songs, having to do the old shameful stop of death and, and just find your place in the song. And, you, you know, you just, at the time, you're just like, oh, I wish I was in bed, like just with the covers over me, you know. <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare. But, <laughs> but you know, lesson learned. you got to make sure that click's nice and loud and, you know, if you can program like cues in the clicks for yourself as well, like tambourine or cowbell hits just to like make it really clear where you are, that sort of thing. Yeah, the Progfest shows, I've, I've played Progfest before with the city and, and James Nobidavani, me and, and the bass player we did, I think it was the 2018 or 19 Progfest tour and the city did the tour the year before that. Leprous, awesome band from Norway. So yeah, just getting getting to play those those big shows with packed lineups full of just awesome Aussie prog bands is yeah, that was pretty special for sure. Is there a band that you wish that you'd had the opportunity to play with? Uh, well, I've been pretty fortunate to to kind of play with a lot of my favourite Aussie bands. Mm. Um, yeah, so like Alarum, they're kind of just a legendary progressive metal jazz fusion thrash band, whatever you call them. Been around since the nineties, so. Pretty crazy that I've been able to play live with them. Yeah, Decidia were my favourite Adelaide band before I joined them. Um, I was a big fan of James Norbert Avani before I got to play with him as well. I'm also playing at Hadel Moore, and I was, you know, massive fan of them right from the start. And I should mention that the reason that I play for all of those bands pretty much apart from Decidia is because of Rob Brenz, who's a legendary drummer from Melbourne, good mate of mine. Yeah, so he previously played with Hadel Moore and Alarum, and he also played with James Norbert Avani, so he pretty much recommended me for, for all of those gigs. So yeah. big shout-out Frenzy. Yeah, like I'd, I'd love to play with Bellacore from Melbourne. They're, they've been one of my favourite Aussie bands for a long time. If I could play with a band like Opeth, that would be amazing. <laughs> I think that's going to happen. Oh, you never know, Liam. You never know. Yeah, that's it. Might move to Sweden, get a bit, a bit chilly up there. <laughs> I would say it would be a bit chilly, but it would be worth it if you're getting to play with some of the bands that they have over there, right? Sure, yeah, it cops the weather for, for the bands for sure. Yeah. How do you prepare yourself before a show? Um, yeah, it depends what kind of gig. Um, yeah, always try and get a little bit of a warm-up in on the pad. 
before or, you know, just, just a bar stool or a couch or whatever I can find. Just recently started playing with Freedom of Fear, this Adelaide kind of, you know, thrash death metal band, and they've got really fast songs, lots of stupidly fast blast beats. So for that gig, I've got to spend like a good 20, 30, 40 minutes just warming up on the pad, starting real slow with a metronome and just building it up and, yeah, just hammering the speed and endurance training before. But, yeah, for, for the other sort of cruisier bands, Luckily, you can just get away with, you know, a few minutes on the pad, a bit of stretching, make sure you've had enough water. If you can try and find somewhere quiet and do a little meditate sort of thing, that can help. But, you know, there's not usually <laughs> the option for that. Usually there's, you know, not really even a backstage at most gigs that I play. But, yeah, yeah got to do what you can. Now, COVID's had a tremendous impact on the music industry. How has it affected you? Um, yeah, so 2020 was supposed to be a pretty big year for me. Um, the city released our album 27th of March, 2020. So that was, you know, as everything was just falling apart. Yeah. We were supposed to be doing a tour like May, 2020. So obviously that got canceled. That was supposed to be with Alarm as well was with me also playing for Alarm. Ivani was supposed to be doing tours, same with Hadle Moore. So yeah, it was supposed to be a big year. So pretty disappointing, but, um, at the same time I got, heaps of practice in last year which is great yeah i was just at my parents place a lot which is where my old drum kit is and mm. yeah I, I just learned so many songs um yeah I, I bought like transcription packs from like matt gasker he's the animals as leaders drummer bought one from like matt lynch for the nova collective album so nova collective are kind of like a yeah jazz jazz fusion metal sort of bands um yeah so learning learning all that stuff just completely opened me up yeah, so I'm, I improved so much last year and I did so many videos for, you know, Instagram and YouTube. Yeah, this year definitely doesn't seem very productive in comparison, but there was definitely a positive there in that I had time to actually work on all this cool stuff that I wouldn't have been able to work on otherwise because I was would have been prepping for shows and travelling and, and playing. You know, I would have loved to be touring, but, yeah, at the same time it was a good opportunity to to actually expand my, my vocabulary and learn a bunch of new stuff. Yeah, because you didn't actually get to play a gig for about nine months, did you? Yeah, yeah. So Decidia were, you know, hardly played at all in the year leading up to our release because we were just focusing on getting the album done and, you know, kind of saving saving hype for when we could tour the album. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know, The maybe the last gig I did was January 2020 and then um, my band Boros, who I've been in for quite a while and we're, we're pretty casual nowadays, we did a we did a gig in October 2020, and that was a, a sit down gig, which is pretty interesting. Played at Enigma Bar, and uh, I remember they bought just the cheapest chairs that, that they could find, <laughs> and about at least a dozen of them just broke throughout the night. Oh, God. <laughs> so you just constantly hear these snapping noises of people just breaking their chairs and, and falling to the ground. <laughs> the city got to play. Um, in May this year and also we played like three times this year, I think. The most recent one being at Froth and Fury Fest, which is an awesome festival at, at this big pirate life brewery in Port Adelaide, organised by Jason North, who who does all the great festivals in Adelaide, like New Dead Festival and, and Heavy SA. So um yeah, so that was an awesome gig to play. But yeah, not not too much going on since yeah. the old COVID happens, gig wise. Prior to the pandemic you had toured quite a lot. What's it like yeah, being on at least tour with a band? What, what's it like? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, um, yeah, most Australian tours, so generally that's, you know, on the weekends. So, yeah, so it's not, not, not too taxing or anything. You just, you know, you fly out on a Friday and you play Friday night, do Saturday night, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, it's just, just a hell of a lot of fun, just, just getting to hang out with your mates for a weekend and play to a lot of people, hopefully. Sometimes it's, it's not, but <laughs> sometimes you get to play in front of a lot of people and on lineups with bands that you, you love. But, yeah, outside of Australia, yeah, Voros did a, a tour of China and Taiwan back in 2017, I think it was. So that was an amazing opportunity. So we um, did this awesome festival in Taiwan called Wake Up Festival and then we also played another show in Taiwan and then we did a couple of shows in China. And, yeah, they, they just love it over there. They're so appreciative, um, you know, to see foreign heavy bands come and play because kind of new to them, I suppose. They haven't had many touring bands. Like, you know, I guess they have in the last decade but not really for that long. Yeah, so the, the festival was awesome. We'd, we'd be walking around the festival and, like, so many people got just asked to take photos with us. So that was a bit of a, a fun novelty. Yeah. And, yeah, we had a circle pit going on and there was, like, a, a Chinese dragon in the circle pit, you know. <laughs> so that was pretty crazy experience. And apart from that, yeah, James Novodavani, we, we played at UK Tech Fest yeah, in England and that was a pretty crazy lineup. We got to play with some of my favourite bands, like Obscura, Exhibius, Black Dahlia Murder, Boarded, Persephone, I remember, um, Vervum, or oh, Panzer Ballet. Yeah, so many awesome bands. So that was like a three-day festival. We camped out. Yeah, got to play to a fair few people at that and then just kind of had a holiday around England, which was nice. But, uh, yeah, definitely hanging out for, for that big Europe tour and big US tour. You know, that was kind of supposed to happen you know, 2021, but obviously couldn't happen. So, yeah, hopefully in the next next year or so I can, um, yeah, actually get a, a full tour where you're out for a few weeks and, you know, then you can really start to hone your live show when you're playing night after night because, yeah, Aussie tours, you know, you're playing like five, six shows and then, you know, they're kind of on different weekends so you don't really get get the chance to get your groove going. Yeah, so that's the ultimate goal for me, the Europe tour and, and the US tour. So hopefully that can happen in the next couple of years. And you've got quite a few endorsements, haven't you, Liam? Yeah, lucky enough to work with some awesome companies. Sorry, I've probably hear my dog shaking. Your dog, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to keep him still. Yeah, so Gretsch Drums, uh, Evans Drumheads, Promark Drumsticks, and as of pretty recently, Charchki Capito Double Kick Pedals. So they're an awesome brand from Poland, just the best engineering that, that I've ever seen from pedals. Pretty much most of the, the big dogs around the world, like all the full-on extreme metal guys, have, have been getting onto the charts in, in recent years. And also Precision Kicks triggers. Um, so that's Chris Lamelko from Melbourne. He plays Northeast Omega, and, yeah, he's got this, this company manufacturing these triggers. So, yeah, the triggers go on the bottom of the pedals and – if you're playing extreme metal, it's it's kind of a necessity because the the kicks just get drowned out once you hit certain speeds. So like yeah. the kick drum mic just isn't sufficient. Yeah, so you need the triggers to to trigger a sample every time you hit the kick drum, so that you get like a really clear and consistent audible sound when you're hitting the high tempos. Yeah, pretty pretty stoked to be playing some awesome gear. Love love my Gretsch drums. I've got a renowned Maple kit. Yeah, love love the Evans and the Promark as well. So yeah, pretty lucky to be playing some awesome brands. 
Yeah, you've got some great stuff there, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, I know that you're a drum teacher, but if you yep. could only offer one tip to a brand new drummer, what would it be? Uh, learn to play slow, for sure. <laughs> Spend a lot of time, you know, telling kids or adults, whatever, just slow it down. Like, you're going to save yourself so much time, so much grief if you just play things really slow and then gradually build up the tempo. I know it is tricky. Like, you know, I'm, I'm still guilty of it myself, learning some new tricky stuff and, you know, you're just like, oh, yeah, I can, I can play this. You know, your ego gets in the way. But, you know, really you should just slow it right down because uh, it's going to save you a lot more time. So, yeah, learning, learning to play with a click track at, at slow tempos is really important, just being able to slowly inch up the, uh, the tempo and, and get it to where it needs to be. Excellent. Who are your top three local drummers? Yeah, as far as, like, metal dudes go, Alan Catman. I think his real surname's Catman, but he goes goes by Catman. He's uh, he's played in a bunch of bands. Um, one of my favourite ones, Alters. Yeah, they released his killer album back in 2013 and kind of recently reformed, which is awesome. Yeah, he's got some killer blasts. Here in Murray, he, he used to play in Truth Corroded. And now he plays in um, Meth Leopard, which this is like this crazy two-piece grind band. But, yeah, he's ridiculously quick. He's awesome. Yeah, Con Costasoulis, I think his last name is. I can't even remember, actually. Um, but yeah, he's like sort of a, a jazzy death metal drummer, which is really cool to see because um, he, he went through the jazz course back in the day. So he plays in this band called Earth of Damnation. Yeah, you just see him whip out a whole bunch of like paradiddles and stuff in a, in a death metal context, which is really cool to see. Lots, lots of dynamics. Yeah, out, outside of metal, like you can't go past Ben Todd. Yeah, back when I was at Ross Trevor, like, yeah, Ben was a couple of years older than me at, at Marriottville. And yeah, getting to see him play was was pretty crazy. Yeah, seeing him at like Generations in Jazz. Yeah, seeing his funk band that he had back in the day. Ben's killing it. But yeah, lot, lots of lots of really good metal drummers out there for sure. Yeah, well, there's a lot of good drummers here, full stop. Oh, totally. Really. Yeah, we got a good good pool happening here in, in LA for sure. Yeah. Okay, Liam, I want you to choose the three most important to you from the following five. So we've got groove, creativity, chops, technique, and time. Out of those five, which three are most important to you? Yeah, I, I listened to the podcast you did with Michael, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to – or Mike, Michael Trafreda. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with what he said, even though, you know, I'm, I'm known for being a pretty chopsy guy and, I guess, pretty creative guy. Like, yeah, you've got to have that foundation of, um, of yeah, what groove, time, and technique because, mm-hmm. yeah, without, without those, you can't really expand and, and do the chops and, and get real creative. So – yeah, so super important to have that technique to start with. Like whenever I get new drum students, I spend a lot of time just making sure their technique's on point, which can be a bit a bit slow and boring. But, yeah, you, you just got to do it. Like if you want to be doing a lot of cool ghost note stuff and like fast, so, yeah, lots of dynamics and at a fast tempo, like you're going to need good technique to be able to, you know, play those different volumes convincingly and yeah if you want to be creative you've yeah you've got to have that underlying groove and in time it's definitely going to start with us three for sure yeah great if you could invite any musicians to play with you in a concert anywhere in the world you're on the kit who would you call where would it be held and i'm guessing it's going to be some sort of a uh, a metal <laughs> band that the genre would be Ooh, i don't know actually um i'm still a huge chili peppers fan oh, and okay. um yeah, also a big fan of John Frusciante's solo stuff. Mm. Pretty much obsessed. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to 
just be able to jam with with John and Flea. Like that would be pretty amazing, I think. Get Anthony on there as well, the, the singer. <laughs> May as well. Do love him too. Oh, where would it be? Um, geez, just like just any of those massive festivals in in Europe, I guess. I don't know. Like playing a festival like Hellfest in France would would be pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't I don't know how how you know me Flea and and John would would go down, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just any any of those massive festivals where you got tens of thousands of people would be pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, um, it would be. Yeah, be great. Liam, is there something that you've really tried to play that you couldn't get right or you weren't satisfied with the way that you played it? Yeah, all, all the bands that I play with, like, you know, I generally end up getting the parts, I guess. Um, the, you know, the only times where where I don't is if, if the tempos are just too prohibitive, um, you know, if, if it's just, you know, getting a bit inhuman. Or, you know, there's, there's plenty of stuff that other guys can play that, that I definitely can't speed-wise, so... Yeah, it's it's mainly mainly coming down to to speed, like real fast extreme metal stuff. Yeah, I'm learning some some stuff at the moment by um, Sebastian Lanza's band, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty damn tricky. Oh, the band's called Obsidious, but um, yeah, I can pretty much learn nearly all of it. There's just kind of like a couple of bits which should just be on my my reach, but yeah, but you know, you can always just play something slightly different, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> do you ever get bored with your own playing? Um, yeah, I guess I do. So that's that's why it's so important to to learn other people's parts. Because if you're just playing your own stuff, like what what you're playing is going to be really limited. You're going to kind of be stuck in in your own box. That's why it's been great me playing in so many different bands, playing other drummers' parts, like you know, playing Rob Bren's parts in Hate or More and, and Alarm. Yeah, and just just always like getting my hands on transcriptions from drummers and just learning what they're playing, um, yeah, I think that's really valuable. You know, I'm always kind of coming up with, with some new stuff, but at the same time, you know, what what you can come up with yourself is is always going to be a bit limited. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's important to take as much as you can from, from other drummers and other musicians. Yeah. And, yeah, that, that being said, like in the city, uh, Corey and Neil, who are the, the guitarist and bass player, yeah, they're amazing composers. They, they write a lot of music. In guitar pro and they're they're really good at writing drum parts so yeah so learning learning parts that that a non-drummer composes is is also a great way to really keep things fresh because um yeah they just think think a lot differently there's been a bunch of drum parts that they've written and it's yeah it's just taken me ages to learn but as a result it's um yeah it's made me a better player and it's made me think differently and just yeah be more creative yeah. So how many bands and projects are you currently involved with? Um, yeah, so the Cecilia. So, yeah, I'm, I'm involved in the songwriting with that. Hate or More in Melbourne as well. So, yeah, mainly playing live, but I've just kind of recently started getting a bit involved in doing the song, a bit of songwriting just, you know, via guitar pro. Yeah, there's James Norbertavani in Sydney. Um, yeah, just as live, live drummer. Yeah, I'm still pretty much the live drummer for Alarm in Melbourne. Like, I know they've been wanting to, to find a, a local Melbourne drummer, someone they can jam with. But, um, yeah, I think they've been struggling with all the lockdowns. So they've, yeah, yeah I think they've been having a hard time trying to find someone. But, um, yeah, and then there's my band Voros. Yeah, I think, yeah, we're playing in a few weeks actually. So that should be awesome. But, you know, we don't we don't really write new music anymore. We just play live every now and again, which is great. Um, and finally, yeah, I've got this three-piece like funk rock band called Cliff Racer. 
which is, you know, just a lot of fun. I don't have to stress over complicated parts like I do with, with every other band that I play with. And I don't have to, you know, sweat my butt off, like, you know, trying to play each fast all the time. So, and yeah, we all do vocals in that. So that's just a good, good opportunity for us to, you know, work out our vocal chops, which, which is really fun. I don't know how many, how many is that? Five, six. <laughs> yeah. We all, we all do vocals in that. So that's been a really fun opportunity for, for me to, yeah, practice singing while playing drums and, and doing that live, which is just heaps of fun. And, you know, I can just kind of have a few beers as well and yeah, not stress about the, the crazy progressive metal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Yeah. Still, still playing in multiple bands. I don't know. It depends if I've got, got a family, I guess that might slow me down, but yeah. Um, yeah, probably still work in a similar job that I do. I, I work in like financial advice, like personal insurance, probably still doing that, but you know, hopefully having the opportunity to take regular time off and do, do big tours and yeah, definitely still, still writing music and, recording music so yeah i've definitely got no plan on stopping playing drums i want to be doing doing that for for the rest of my life for sure what do you hope to have achieved before you do lay down the sticks for the last time yeah i yeah definitely want to get a whole bunch of big tours under my belt like big old festivals you know around europe and the us and yeah just continue putting out music that i'm proud of i guess that's the the main thing music that i can listen to and and really enjoy myself and then, uh, and you know, obviously, uh, music that strikes a chord with other people. You know, if I can have a few like albums that are considered kind of classic, you know, within those sort of genres and spheres, that'd be an amazing thing. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, it would be excellent. Before we end our chat today, I'm going to ask Liam 20 quick random questions or as many as we can get through in the space of two minutes to close the interview. Are you ready, Liam? Yeah, I am. Let's go. Okay. Your time starts now. What was the hardest song you learnt to play? Um, yeah, definitely the James Norwood Avani song, uh, what's it called, Rubik's Grand Convolution. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, it took me months to write out the, oh, you know, a couple of months to write out the parts and a couple of months to learn it. Excellent. How does Virgil Donati hold his drumsticks? Um, he plays traditional grip. He sure does. What was the first album that you purchased? Uh, Chili Peppers Greatest Hits. What does the Pokemon Weedle evolve into? Oh, jeez. Yeah, I reckon I blocked all that stuff out. <laughs> that, that was tough. Okay. <laughs> you having my last name. <laughs> When was the inaugural Distillery Dogs calendar released? Oh, that was last year. Yep. Name a band that you wished you'd seen perform live. Uh, Seeing Death perform would have been awesome back in the 90s. The most sticks that you've dropped during a gig? Uh, Yeah, hopefully no more than two or three, I guess. I probably just push that out of my mind. <laughs> Those sort How of many memories. Tricks? Okay, we've got to keep moving. How many tricks yeah. have you taught Bruiser? Oh, so many tricks. He is a very clever boy. Yeah, maybe like six or seven, eight maybe. <laughs> what was the first concert that you went to? Uh, oh, it was like a Coke Live and Local thing, like Spider Bait, those sort of bands. Okay. What is your favourite metal band? Uh, yeah, so Opeth. 
Your favourite TV show? Uh, always Sunny in Philadelphia. Who are the big three of progressive metal? Oh, I've never really heard that. Um, Opeth, the Dream Theater, and Tool. Oh, close. <laughs> digital downloads or CDs? Um, yeah, I guess digital downloads or streaming. Name a genre that you don't like. Oh, country. <laughs> oh, we'll run out of time. Oh. <laughs> for about 14, I think, then. Thank you. Oh, not too bad. <laughs> okay. Thank you once again, Liam, for joining me for the Bandit About podcast today. You've been great to chat to, and I hope that everyone who listens finds this as enjoyable as I did. Oh, thanks, Eve, for having me, Di. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Liam. All of the information and links relating to today's interview can be found in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please share the link with your friends. Until next week, it's goodbye from me, Di, Bandit About. Proudly supporting live music. Bye. Nothing left for you to change, there's no one